I love the stories. If I could story for the rest of my life and never make another feed post or never make a reel, I would be perfectly happy. I love the connectivity. I love building the like, no trust. I love the authenticity that comes with the private one-to-one communication and kind of peering into someone's behind the scenes. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest on today's show is Chelsea Pites. Chelsea helps real estate professionals leverage social media to increase their profiles and reach new prospects. And she's also the national director of social sales at Fidelity National Financial. So Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. That was something I'm going to have to improve upon in my own podcast because you just nailed it. So thank you for the incredible warm welcome. I'm so excited to be here today and talk about all things social media and real estate, branding, Instagram and beyond. Well, I've been following you for a while because we had another guest on on our show last year and she does some social media with one of the big groups in here, LJ Hooker. And I said, who do you follow to get all of your brilliant ideas? And she said, Chelsea Pites. So, oh, that's so, so lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's amazing to finally have you here. And um, I want to get into all things Instagram because you get to attend all of the cool things like the Instagram Creators Week and all that sort of stuff. But let's talk about how you developed a passion for social media first. So when did you first realise going back how powerful social media was. So I've been in the real estate industry almost 22 years. I was a licensed agent for 18 of those years. And I I jokingly tell people I got my license in 2001 BF before Facebook. So I did business in the real estate world well before social media existed. So I never envisioned myself connecting with people, making friends, doing business primarily exclusively through social media and social networks. And it really started for me when Snapchat became one of the new and up and coming apps. And I was so struck by the level of of real relationships that were happening through this app that I kind of dug into my background in clinical psychology. And so when we talk about the socials, I'm going to talk a lot about behavior training and algorithms and all of those things and how we can work with them and leverage them to our advantage. Um, But for good or bad, these things really do train our behavior. And I really got fascinated with what was it that made me feel so connected to these people I'd never met before. And so through that um, research, I, I really confirm that there is the science to this screen to screen phenomenon. And so I ended up coming over to Instagram because, you know, they, they like to borrow ideas from other things that are working really well as do all of the socials. And a lot of my friends from Snapchat were going to use stories on Instagram. And I fully admit I was not a fan of Instagram. I thought it was very different than what I was used to. I didn't really get it. 
Um, so there is hope for you if you are also not quite sure about Instagram, because I definitely converted and I absolutely love Instagram now. Uh, but there are a lot of things going on in that platform, which can be a really great thing, but can also be a very overwhelming place to be as well. It is interesting because you can do so much on Instagram now. And I guess that's what what you were learning at the Instagram Creators Week. There's, um, let me see, there's reels, there's normal video, there's live video, there's stories, there's, you know, just so many things you can now do on Instagram. Um what do you find is getting the most traction right now? So I definitely have favorite areas of the app. And I think that's perfectly okay. I'm all about sort of breaking these rigid social media rules. I'm about doing what fits in with your sustainable long-term schedule, doing what feels right for you, for your mental and your emotional health. And for me, I lean into and encourage people to lean into what brings them the most joy. And typically that's what brings you the most results as well and the engagement. So for me, I love the stories. If I could story for the rest of my life and never make another feed post or never make a reel, I would be perfectly happy. I love the connectivity. I love building the like, no trust. I love the authenticity that comes with the private one-to-one -one communication and kind of peering into someone's behind the scenes and that really human relatable content, which certainly after last year was one of the shining moments of normalcy for many of us who weren't able to actually see our friends and family in real life. And so um, I love the stories. However, uh, stories, in my opinion, is to have conversations, to develop relationships, and to really convert as you're growing those relationships and leads to transactions. Um, that's wonderful. We all want to convert referrals and, and nurture our community. However, if your goal is to build your brand, to build your visibility, to build your reach, you'll likely have to use something that is going to be pushed out to more people, which is really Instagram reels or IGTV, or maybe even feed posts that people will find if they're searching for those hashtags. So you have to have a strategy of both because if you're just focused on stories, it's not going to help you get in front of other people that don't know you yet. And, um, you know, if you're not doing stories at all and you're just leaning into reels and you're growing like weeds, which is a great if you're in your target audience, you still have to build that like no trust. You still have to connect with people and provide them some kind of value for them to want to end up working with you. So I think it's the perfect combination to use both of those features uh, for maximum potential in Instagram. It's interesting that um, that you're talking about stories and reels. Um, I, I think I read somewhere that Instagram was giving reels a lot of juice in the algorithm, if you like. Um, and I tested this with my cat, actually. My cat has 59 followers on Instagram <laughs> or something or other. And, uh, and I made a video of her and the dog playing fetch and you know, Instagram then sent me a message that had been viewed a thousand times in within like an hour, even though she doesn't have that many followers. And I mean, look, Lexi's a clever cat, but doesn't use that many <laughs> hashtags or anything like that. Is that is, are you seeing those similar results in the, uh, I'll call it the real world? 
Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, you have uncovered the secret of success to going viral. It's anything with pets. Everyone loves a pet. Um, But yes, to your point, the reason that Reels is being promoted um, and is is seeing such high metrics, uh, regardless of your size of your following, uh, Instagram has said that they are focused on promoting smaller creators and not just focusing on, you know, the people with the blue ticks and the millions of followers, which is great because we're all just everyday creators. And um, I think that what's very interesting about it is it's the first time Instagram has ever posted content automatically. And I think it's six different places. So um, they're posting it to your home feed. Now, your home feed is primarily people that already follow you. So you're not really going to get much growth there. But it's posting it to the Explore page. It's posting it to the Reels feed. And those are primarily people that are not yet following you. So they're pushing it out to a large group of people that have no idea who you are so they can discover you. Then once they discover you and they come to your profile, um, which at some point we'll probably talk about optimizing that and my tips for that. But when they come to that profile, if you think about it, who's really visiting your profile? It's usually the first time visitor. Once they decide to follow, they're not really going to go back to your profile. They're going to wait for that content to fall into their feeds. So truly, there's a lot of new people also looking at your profile. So it's pushing it out to all of these different places, and it's thus getting more views. And there's also a whole psychological insight on the micro video, the fast movements, the high edits, and how that's training our behavior and how we're consuming more and more and more of that because it makes our brain feel good. So all of that together has kind of made this perfect storm for reels to go viral for whatever viral is for you. I'm not saying you have to have a million views to be viral, but your cat who probably gets <laughs> one or two likes, you know, yeah. um, went viral for, for your cat. That's a viral video for your cat. So absolutely. And they want to encourage people to make more content And so I think that's part of it. We don't really know exactly what officially counts as a view. Um, A view on other videos on Instagram usually is three seconds or more. And I think it's just any kind of play on uh, reels at the moment, which, you know, if I was Instagram, I probably wouldn't change that yet. (laughs) People really like seeing these views. Let's just keep letting this go through. So that's why, yeah, it is happening to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I fell into a bit of a hole of just watching reels one night and it's just really easy to sink yourself into. And there might be people nodding and listening to this right now thinking, well, that's fine. You've just filmed your cat. That's really easy. (laughs) Um, If you were a real estate agent, what sort of things would you be thinking about putting reels up about? Mm -hmm. I think this is always a challenging topic. Uh, I I, I made a post recently, um, an actual traditional old school feed post. It's not a reel. (laughs) (laughs) um, It was really about this idea of views versus value. And and value is a word that gets thrown around a lot. and, And, you know, people say, okay, get it. I have to provide value. But what exactly is it? Give me an example. And value comes in all shapes and sizes. It can be making someone laugh. It can make someone feel inspired. It can be teaching someone a tip. It can be educating them on whatever it may be. So there's all these different ways that you can provide value to your niche audience. Yes, if all I'm doing is jumping on a trend and dancing and having nothing about real estate, would that serve my ultimate end goal of creating more um, real estate referrals? Possibly, possibly not. So you do sort of have to balance the don't get caught up in the views. You are going to have to make some content 
regardless of what format it's in, that's going to speak to your audience and answer questions about the process and position yourself as a credible authority in your space. Now, what I recommend for reels and TikToks and content in general for real estate is um, community-based information. Your favorite places, secret things that aren't on the menu at your favorite bakeries or um, you know any small businesses, because that's what we really want to know. And the great thing about that is I may remember that you're in real estate. I'm associating you with your community when you are giving me that information. And I know that you're my resource. Oh, if I want to go on a great family outing where I can bring the kids, or if I want to go on a date night, I know that this person always has the latest exclusive places and fun things to look at. So I'm going to be watching that content. And remember when we're on Instagram, we're not there to buy a house. We're not going with the intention to say, I need to find a realtor. I'm going to go to Instagram. Maybe one day we'll be there. So this is a passive consumption and it's not going to be at the right time at the right place where all of a sudden you're going to show your listing and 10 people are going to say, I want to buy it. Um, so I think it's about the community. I think it's also about being very human and relatable. Now, I will tell you in terms of what Instagram is looking for. Instagram is looking for entertaining. They have actually said that they're looking for entertaining. They're looking for funny. How do they figure this out? They're actually surveying people when they're watching reels. Um, and they're looking for something that people are watching for the whole thing and completing and sharing and tagging friends in the comments. And typically when you're sharing something, it leans more entertaining. It's funny. It's relatable. I can see myself in this. I do a lot of parenting content because I am a parent and I know other people can relate to that. So I think it, it shouldn't all be real estate. It should be community focused. It should be something that's a personal interest or passion of yours focused so that you can connect with and relate to that community and mix up that educational and also entertaining content. Speaking of um, speaking of entertaining people, I was watching some of your reels this morning and there was one particularly that I really LOL'd at was that one that, um, you know, it's like, I'm going to change my life today. And then it's like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I will put my face on camera. No, yeah. I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that. So um, so let's talk about that for a moment, because I think a lot of people do have that fear of camera. And I think one of your, one of your big things is camera first branding. So talk to me about that and why that's so important. And then perhaps you can get into a little bit of how do I just, you know, get over myself. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit into the neuroscience because I'm just a brain geek and I just think it's so fascinating. Um, when I was working on my first book, which was about camera first branding, it was really a deep dive into how our neurons fire in our brain and how we see faces and facial recognition. And we have these two rather large parts of our brain that are dedicated just to facial recognition. And it's interesting because there's been so many studies where you're looking at a picture, you're looking at a screen, your brain doesn't know the difference if you're looking at that person in real life, like in the same room with you or not. So what was happening and what does happen is with this kind of unedited style of content, whether it's live video or stories, uh, any kind of real time-ish video where you have this talking face to the camera and you feel that people are talking to you, um, you know, some people call it the celebrity effect. I don't usually like to use that term, but just to give you an example, um, you know, I see celebrities that I love in movies and I think, oh my gosh, I would love to hang out with that person. I bet they're so nice. And I don't have any idea if they're actually, you know, a nice person, but 
from watching their work, I feel like maybe, maybe we would be connecting. And so I think in that social environment where you're not acting, hopefully, and you're being authentic, people feel this relatability and it accelerates trust. It accelerates this feeling of I'm connected to this person and our brain loves to see faces. So I always say faces take you places because our brain wants to see faces. But nine minutes after babies are born, they can tell their mother's face from someone else's. So it's really important to be showing your face. And I the, the hangups, we all have them. I don't like my voice. I don't like how I look on camera. I'm so nervous. I'm worried about somebody making a comment. I have those hangups too. I am a big overthinker worrier when it comes to people possibly making a mean comment. I, it, it paralyzes me. So I'm just being very transparent and vulnerable that that may never fully go away, but I still go through the process and I work through it because I know that I'm not going to get any better unless I do it. And sometimes I just tell people, you're just going to have to sweat your way through it and make that video and don't look at it. Don't go back and look at it. Now, a reel you have to edit usually. I did not look at my content for years. Now, would I have gotten better faster if I'd looked at my content? Sure. But I knew that I would be so subjective and I would delete it and I would feel defeated and I wouldn't want to do it again um, if I watched myself. So if that's what you, how your personality is, then honor that, then put the content out, don't watch it and just move on to the next one and just do one a week and you will get more comfortable. It is a skill set. It is a skill set, just like anything else that we're doing. It's, um, you know, like when you're a new agent and you're learning the systems where you're, you know, you're looking at houses or putting a listing online, you don't know what you're doing easily. The first few times you have to take your time. It maybe takes you an hour. And now if you've done it for a couple of years, you're like, oh, I could do this in my sleep. So it's very similar to anything else that you'd be learning. Well, it's interesting. My coach actually challenged me to 30, 30 Facebook lives in 30 days, which I actually did. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember feeling like someone was going to die every time I pressed the live, <laughs> the live button. Yes. <laughs> and and um, towards the end of the 30 days, I think I desensitized myself, but, mm -hmm. you know, to a, a little bit to you know, yeah. okay, nobody died. This is going to be okay. Um, but you're right. The videos I've watched back, I really wish I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Some people love, you know, feedback and, you know, they, they like to look at it. They like to pick out the areas they can improve on. That's not my personality. Um, but if that is your personality, then absolutely watch that footage back because you will get better. You will get better. And um, I love that you did a 30 day challenge. I mean, whew, that is the way to jump off into the deep end. This is just do a 30 day challenge. That, that was, that was hardcore. I can tell you yeah. <laughs> it's really hardcore. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, I just heard, I heard you say in the, in the last, you answered the last question, a couple of Chelsea-isms, um, which we hear a lot on Instagram and they appear a lot in your fabulous book, What to Post, um, which, you know, I've, I've been through and there's some fantastic examples and we'll leave some links to that in the show notes. Um, but there's a couple of things that I'd, I'd love you to explain to me, which I loved, um, teach before you reach and there's magic in the mundane. So talk to me about those things that you teach people. Yeah. So the teach before you reach was just my way to remind everyone that these are incredibly powerful tools that when I started in real estate in 2001, 
I had to have your phone number. I had to have your email address. I had to have your mailing address for me to even attempt to contact you. And I didn't even know if you were getting any of that information. So with social, we have this ability to connect with a network that we don't even know that we're not even friends with or connections with through direct messages and comments. And so there's so much power in being able to connect in what I feel is a very sacred space. And a lot of people think that, well, I need to sell. I need to talk about my products. I need to talk about my services. Yes, we, we do need to incorporate that. But if somebody were to send me what I call polite spam, which is, hey, um, you know, I noticed you're in my area. If you're ever looking to buy or sell a house, be happy to help. Smiley face. Totally polite, right? But that is spam because you haven't gotten to know me. We don't have a relationship. I'm a human being on the other side of that device. And there are all human beings on the other side of these devices. And so one of the ways that I um, have approached content is let me give and give and give and educate, 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 and share and share and share. And then when I'm ready, oftentimes you don't even need to ask, but you have earned the right to reach out because you've been the teacher. So you're teaching and you're giving and you're showing up. And that could be in a variety of patterns. It could be, I'm supporting your content. I'm sharing you with other people. I'm connecting you with people that you might want to do business with. And all of those things are, are kind of in that teaching and then you can reach. And that's when you sort of earn that right. So um, that's what I mean by teach before you reach and um, you know have that mindset of, I'm just gonna give and I'm not gonna have expectations for a return. And I may not get an ROI in a month, in six months, in a year, but I could in three and four and five, it could completely explode. And I may never have to make an appointment again because people are watching. And people, people appreciate when you um, provide value and, and don't expect something in return every time. I think it's interesting what, what you just said then about people watching, because I noticed during my own live challenge, I didn't get a lot of likes and I didn't get a lot of comments, but I did get a lot of views. And I think often that's what stops agents from actually giving valuable content out there. What sort of advice would you give to agents who are looking for, you know, that are looking for cut through like how long does it really take? Yeah, I'm 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 writing a note here so I don't forget about magic in the mundane, but I, I do want to veer off on this real quickly. Um, you know, this almost is two different topics. Some people say, I don't want to give everything away because I'm I'm worried that, you know, then they won't have to contact me. I find very the opposite. I find when you share information freely and you give it away, um, people want are drawn to you even more. So don't be afraid of, of giving away your information or your insights. People really appreciate the ability to do that. You did mention people watching. I always say there's power in the lurkers because I have had people that I have maybe met um, at a conference and they say, oh my gosh, I've been watching you for three years. I love that you just rescued that new dog. She's so cute. I'm like, how come I've never talked to you before? So there's value in the lurkers. So don't get wrapped up in the fact that you didn't get 300 comments or maybe any comments, but people are seeing and they're they're taking note. And what you probably experienced is someone saying, I haven't seen 
in your lives and you're like, well, I didn't see a comment. Thanks for leaving me a comment. <laughs> you're like, no, but they're watching. So there yeah. is value in the lurkers. Um, there is a book called um, Known. And um, in that book, there's kind of like a timeline where I think it references something like 30 months before this sort of uh, switch happens that that book is by Mark Schaefer. But I would agree with that. I mean, I think you really are going to see some wins, especially if you're tapping into say Instagram reels or something that is on a wave going up, you'll achieve that a little bit faster. Um, but I think you have to have this mindset of I'm going to commit to doing this for six months to a year. And for me and a lot of other people I've anecdotally spoken with, so I don't think there's a real stat that I know of on this. It's about, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 months is when you've really kind of come into your own and your stride. And I know that sounds like a long time, but it goes by quickly and it's pieces, one video a week, one post a week, commenting every day for five minutes. It, it does build and it's just like anything else. When we think of social media, we, for some reason, take ourselves out of our normal lives. Because if I was going to a networking meeting or if I met somebody that I was going to do business with, it would take me a while to get to know them. We'd have to do a project together. If they delivered on the project, then I trust them and I know they're dependable. So we have this idea that things should be immediate um, and formulaic on social media when it's really not immediate and formulaic in the real world. And we happen to just be using a different vehicle to connect with people. So it, it does take time and investment. And a lot of it has to be proactive engagement on our behalf, not necessarily just making content and making posts and hoping that people will engage with it. Yeah, so it's actually engaging with other people's stuff is just as important as putting your own stuff out there. Mm -hmm. I think it's more important personally, yes. Okay, that's that's good to know actually. And someone actually said to me, you know, when when you're engaging with other people's stuff, leaving comments, I mean, because I, f I feel like in the real estate industry, at least in Australia, people will sort of, you know, leave a comment which will be either, you know, palms together or a love heart or, you know, boom, <laughs> something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> um, is it true that your comments actually have to be like six words or more to be sort of meaningful to any, any of the algorithms and things like that out there? No, it's not true. Um, and I can tell you that, um, you know, Instagram has actually stated in writing that they rank comments as comments. It's if you leave a 17 word comment or a 17 paragraph comment or an emoji, it's counted as a comment. Um, what I will say is that another Chelseaism, my favorite one is it's commenting over contenting. Your comments are your most important content that you could possibly provide because it's super fanning for someone else's content. So you have this really positive experience with your brand. And what happens with the algorithm, since we're speaking about that, is the algorithm is just a computer. It's just looking at data points. So the more data points that you can give it, the better. So if you're making posts and I am not making posts in the feed, but I see your posts and I'm engaging with you and whether I leave a hard eye emoji or I leave a sentence, it's going to trigger a data point that says, hmm, well, they're leaving a comment. So we're going to assume there's some kind of relationship here. And we're going to start showing them each other's content higher up in their feed so that you're more likely to see it, which helps you build that personal brand. Now, I think building brand and mind share, it does matter if you leave an emoji or a like versus 
a thoughtful comment that in, that engages someone that adds to the conversation that asks a question a hundred percent I believe that I don't even see who likes things and a lot of people I don't even look think click and look who likes so that's the easy quick fast and that's really more for you the likes are more for you to make you feel like you supported something and, and you did something but the comments are for them which ultimately comes back to your brand yeah, that makes absolute sense, actually. That's that's fantastic advice. Let's go back to the magic in the mundane. Yes. <laughs> because a, a lot of people sort of think, think, oh, you know, my life is boring. And I think you actually made a reel about people aren't going to want to see this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so talk to me about that, Chelsea-ism. So magic in the mundane, I think about what we talk about around the dinner table or when we call our family. And to be honest, it's the pretty boring stuff. Oh, I had to get four new tires today. Or, you know, I wouldn't think to talk about that at a party necessarily. But but that's when you know you're you're intimately connected with people. You talk about the everyday things and and the mundane. And surprisingly, there's just something about whether it's people watching, it's like why reality TV became such a big, um, you know, popular thing. We just want to see people doing things that are every day. And um, so when I say there's magic in the mundane, I say make that boring content and, and you can turn boring content into more engaging content by simply asking a question. Here's an example. I could take a coffee mug and I could take a picture of it and I could post it anywhere and that'd be kind of boring. And, you know, maybe somebody would like it or what have you, but I could take that same coffee mug and say, do you have coffee or tea in the morning? Do you, are you team vanilla creamer or hazelnut creamer? Which I did and found out that uh, apparently nobody likes hazelnut except for me. Um, you know, I did this one time about Kleenex, this thing right here, I have the square, the cubes, right. And so they also have the rectangle, the rectangular ones. And I'm like, who is team cube? You would never believe how many comments people were like, I love the cube because it fits perfectly here. Oh, I love the rectangle box because it fits in my car. You can take really boring content and make it more engaging and interesting by asking a question or telling a story behind whatever that boring thing may be. So don't underestimate the value of the everyday mundane. That's how we connect. That's how we relate to each other. I've given people marketing advice every day for seven years. Yes, I get comments and engagement on it. Yes, it's built my brand, but I get more comments and more engagement on talking about and my team pizza with ranch, believe it or not. So it really is, um, we're just really subjective about our own content. And sometimes you just have to put it out there and let someone else decide if they find it meaningful or not. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, out of my brutal 30 day challenge, the video that I made on the way to Kmart saying that I was living the dream on the way to Kmart to buy a dog bed because my dog had chewed up the bed. That was probably the most yes. popular one of the whole 30 days. Yeah. Sorry. I know. And, you know, we don't, I don't think we, I don't know that we have Kmart's here anymore, but I grew up with them. And do they still have the blue light specials? Oh, it, the, everything's, everything's on special. It's just. Okay. Yeah. Cause there, when I was growing up as a little girl, I would go to Kmart and they actually had a blue light, like a rolling blue light and they would move it into an aisle and turn the light on and 
that aisle would be on sale. So I always just wonder if they still do that, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Kmart's just one of those places where you go in there for one thing and you walk out with 50 things yeah. that you really didn't need. <laughs> so, yes, but, exactly. Um, but that's a good content idea, the blue light. What's the blue light yeah. on today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Things that you didn't know you needed from Kmart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's just say you've gone viral, like my cat or Kmart, um, mm-hmm. and a post achieves lots of lots of hits and clicks and things like that. What do you do after that? Do you um, do you, are you a fan of repurposing, or you know what happens next when you do something good when something works? Yeah, absolutely, you can repurpose. I think um, just personally speaking and anecdotally with other friends who've who've gone viral, it's often accidental. Um, it's often unplanned. Uh, the video, the reel that I made and, and thought was going to be hilarious and creative, and I laughed when I watched it did not perform. And the video <laughs> that I made in two minutes, you know, quadrupled that. So it's all about testing. Um, you know, when you go viral, uh, you will get new followers. And I just want to impress upon everyone that you don't feel the pressure to continue that. A lot of it's just algorithm. It's hit and miss. You just don't know what's going to work and what's not. Um, and so continue on your path of what you've already decided. If you decided you're going to do one educational piece of content and then, you know, two human, and then the next one's educational, then just stay the course. Um, the other thing that I would say is don't panic. If you see the numbers of your followers go up and then go down, because a lot of new people might find a video that is trending or viral. And depending on what that topic is, if you made a a viral video about your favorite pasta recipe, but that's the only pasta recipe video that you have, they may not stick around. So I, I don't think that there's a magic formula that I'm aware of to guarantee viral videos. I think if there were those companies are probably making a lot of money and <laughs> they're probably making, you know, uh, viral commercials on TV for, for multiple millions of dollars. And, and there are some really creative people out there on TikTok and Instagram that are making incredible content. Um, but it's really about staying sustainable, staying consistent um, and creating content that not only serves your audience, but I'm a big believer in making content that you enjoy making because the last thing that I want to do is make content and I'm making one right now. It's a guide. I've been working on it for two weeks and I'm like, I just am not excited about this. And you have to do those things. You have to make the stuff that is serving your audience. So I reward myself by doing something that brings me joy. So there's value in, in, in making content for you as well. Um, just make it a balance. So, so that you have both ends of the spectrum. So the other question that I have for you that's, I, I guess, a serious question is, um, you know, do you, like we've talked a lot about social media and particularly Instagram. Do you ever get people say to you, but but Chelsea, we don't own Instagram. Like how do we get people, you know, what do we do with the people that are followers on Instagram and what if Mark Zuckerberg changes the algorithm and locks us all out of Facebook again or that happened in Australia? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is some good advice for agents who are building their followings on social media but to like insurance or something like that to to get the audience off social media? 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a challenge, right? Because you look at, you know, say YouTube and that's just the number one search engine for content. It's, I consider Google and YouTube the same. And so that's the top one. And certainly we don't own those platforms. We don't own Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or anything like that. So um, I think it's a really great idea to build your email list, to have those contacts with people um, outside of the socials and to provide some really incredible value through those and to those email lists. What I do with them is I do have guides. Um, and if I, you know, ever needed to, and I don't, I don't ever do anything regularly even, but if I do, I have a group of people that I could retarget with an ad, or I could, um, you know, email if I had some big announcement that I wanted to share with everyone. So I think building your email list is really important. Um, you could have your own website as well and, you know, manage that. Um, you know, there's probably always going to be some kind of platform, but yes, nothing is worse than losing all your content and losing the connections. Um, that happened to me when there was a glitch in Instagram. I lost every single DM I ever had and I panicked. I panicked because that's what I use for communication. I don't have people's phone numbers and text messages. So it was a reminder that you know, we don't, we don't own this at the end of the day, create your own podcast, write your own guides. Um, you know, that's definitely something that you can own and manage, um, a little bit more so than, than the social. So it's a, it's a good point to keep in mind that if you're only reliant on one thing and that happened to me with Snapchat too, if you're only all in on one social platform and something happens, well, you're going to have to go to another one at some point. So uh, it's a good point to, to bring up. Yeah. And finally, the um, you mentioned a little while ago about Instagram profiles and people may only visit them once. What are your top tips for having a great Instagram profile? Oh, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So I love to treat the profile like a website. And instead of living on the internet where somebody who's going to Google and find your website, your website's living on Instagram. So I like to think of it in terms of the three G's. You need to get found, then get followed, then get leads. Whether that is organically through conversation and value providing and all of that, or paid advertising or a combination of both. But I like to talk about it in that order because we need you to get found first and foremost so that you can get followed. So to optimize your profile, you're going to have two buckets of, of people that will come across your profile. One, the people that are looking for you. And we want them to find your profile if they're looking for your name, right? Um, and then you're going to have a whole large group of people that don't know who you are. And we want you to show up as much as possible for those people as well. So when you're looking at your profile, two really key areas um, to searchability to basically getting found are the username, which is all the way at the top of your profile. And then underneath your profile picture, there's another field. It's similarly titled, but it's, it's called the name field. So we've got username and then name field. And those two areas are critical to searchability and getting found because they're the only searchable areas of your entire profile. So is your personal brand in there? Is your first and last name in one of those? Needs to be. Um, if you own a large brokerage and you have a team, is that team name, is that brokerage name in there somewhere? If you are location specific, which many in real estate are, you need to have a location in one of those areas. Because if I'm a consumer, I'm probably not going to be searching for realtor, um, maybe real estate, 
But I think it's important to have one of those industry terms in there too. But I'm looking for a place that I'm moving or a place that I live or content that has to do with that location. So the three things I recommend, some kind of branding, personal brand, first and last name. If you have a brokerage, it could be that location specific term and also an industry related term in those areas. Mix it up, mix and match, try to maximize it as much as you can, and that will help you get found. So that's the first step. The second step is, well, now we need to get followed. So we get someone to our profile, either they found us through the explore page, or maybe they saw your reel and they're curious and they want to see who you are. They're coming to that profile. And really we have a very small area, that bio section. It's about one to two sentences, not much space. It's about one to two seconds of attention span where you have to communicate who you are, what you do and what your value is that you're providing to the end user. That's a lot in one small area. So I like to just simplify it. What's your superpower in real estate? What is your niche? And how does that superpower help your clients? Um, and as long as you're clear and concise about that, um, uh, you can really kind of craft that in any way that you see fit. I don't usually recommend having contact information in the actual bio because we like the easy button. We like click and it's dialing. I don't want to get a pen out at 1030 at night when I'm scrolling through Instagram and write down your phone number or your email. There is a contact button for that. What I see missing all the time from the bio is a command, a call to action. What am I doing next? Am I direct messaging you? Why or for what? Am I clicking the link in your bio? Why or for what? Be specific. Tell me exactly what I'm going to get. The free VIP homes list, the newsletter, the download, the guide, whatever it is. I want to know with specificity why I should be taking these actions. And that is a well-rounded bio. So that's getting found, getting followed. When someone follows you, they're probably not coming back to your profile. They're going to follow you. And then they're waiting for that content to fall into their feed. So it is mostly new people that are coming to that. The last thing is the getting leads. And that is a variety of things, a proactive engagement, providing valuable content, um, that content that's working right now, reels, uh, and also swipeable carousel posts. That's multiple image posts in the feed. And the reason that's working is Instagram is currently promoting those posts twice to the same person. So if I upload uh, five pictures into a feed post, typically it's going to show you the first one, the first time it goes through the feed. Maybe you engaged, maybe you didn't. Then the second time you open up your feed again, it's going to randomly pick another one. Maybe it's picture number three, maybe it's picture number five. Maybe that's the one you engage with. So now I'm earning almost double the opportunity at no extra cost to get some more reach and engagement. So um, the, the getting leads part comes in with your activity and your content on the platform, but those are some really easy things to do to immediately see improvement in your optimization for your, your profile. Okay. So to summarize, this is why carousel posts are so good, aren't they? Because they're, yeah. yeah. Um, so my name should be something like Samantha McLean, editor at Elite Agent in Southport or something like that, which actually includes my name, what I do and where I am. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, passionate about real estate is not a good bio. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, it's great to be passionate about it, but that's more about the, the person who's writing the bio and a little bit less about me. So I'm going to give you an example out of my, my bio just to kind of give you a really crystal clear how I did this. And by the way, this took me a while. This evolved. So give yourself permission that this is going to evolve. Um, mine says, um, 
uh, oversharing uncomplicated social media tips to help you grow your brand and business. So what am I, is my superpower? Simplifying, I'm oversharing. I'm going to give you so much information. It's going to be helpful tips. What do you get out of it? You get to build your brand. You get to make more money doing what you love. So that is how you can make that two-part sentence. Here's my superpower. But a lot of times we stop here and we stop at like, I'm so passionate about X or I'm an expert in Y. But tell me why that's going to help me. Because if I don't know you yet, I really don't care as much about you. But I, I do care what you can help me do to improve my life or solve a problem that I might have. So I think you can take that and start there and bring it one step further. Amazing. Chelsea, it's been so lovely talking to you and getting to know you in person. I, I do feel like I do. I, I did feel like from our Instagram, your Instagram rather that <laughs> we you'd be a fun person to hang out with. And um, and I was right. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> so um, so we'll leave links to your Instagram account and to your book and everything like that in the show notes. Um, I always ask one question to end every podcast with and and we've talked about so much today so I just want to say thank you again for oversharing and sharing your knowledge with us but if there was one thing that you'd like to leave people with or one point of action that you'd like to leave people with what would it be it would definitely be commenting over contenting because what happens when you think about content it becomes overwhelming it becomes a second job um we're real estate professionals we're not content creators and um, a lot of times that becomes an excuse. And so I like to take away all the excuses. No, you don't need a fancy camera. You have a phone. No, you don't need to be making content every day. But what you do need to be doing is talking to people, which is the oldest sales strategy ever. You know, how many people have you met with? How many people have you talked with? And so you're just doing this in an online way. And so I think the easiest way to see success or to get more success and traction with social media is to be the proactive super fan, to engage strategically with your past clients, possibly people who are small business owners in your area that you could refer business back and forth and to build that mind share and brand and also train the algorithms so that when you do post, it's going to go farther or get seen by hopefully the right audience. So stop stressing about content and start focusing on talking to people. Amazing. That is such great advice. Chelsea Pites, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.